Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the new episode of the Property Management Show. I have a very cool guest today, and some of you who are, you know, watching this on video, um, you know, could probably see um, it's a little bit different than you. Usually, we have a bunch of guys here talking about all their experiences. Well, today I have um, a very uh, pleasant lady. Her name is Casey, um, Casey McDonald. And Casey and I met in Australia. In fact, she's not even from US, uh, she's from Australia, but she's incredibly sharp and committed to her trade. And her trade is essentially training BDMs and sort of running a consulting business that helps Australian and US property management companies grow and scale, specifically taking care of the sales element, the business development manager element. Casey, how are you today? Yeah, great, thanks to yourself, Alex. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So the topic today is uh, we're going to discuss um, the one thing that you need to get correctly or to get right in order to scale your business. I think without a proper sales system and people, the business um, will never, ever sort of scale to a level where uh, those things are, are, are set up correctly. And, and I think for us in U.S., specifically in the property management industry, it's a huge area of opportunity. So, Casey, I would love for you to sort of introduce your expertise and your experience, and, and we can dive right into the subject. Does that sound good? Yeah, fantastic. Um, first of all, thanks very much for having me on the show, and it was certainly lovely to meet you when you were over in Australia. So, thank you very much for the opportunity, um, and hi, everyone in the U.S. from Australia. Um, so yeah, as Alex said, my name's Casey McDonald and I work for a company called the BDM Academy, which is a consulting and mentoring uh, coaching firm to improve the skills of the business development manager. Um, my experience is approximately 19 years in wow. real estate. Uh, so I started when I was a young spring chicken and have worked my way uh, through the different roles within the property management department, including managing um, fairly large teams and also, in fact, being a business owner myself of a real estate um, agency uh, and then uh, also being a BDM myself within the industry. So I've certainly covered all aspects across the 19 years, so come with quite a lot of experience and knowledge. Um, Alex? Yeah, well, that's that's fantastic, Case. We're lucky to have you, really. And, and, and guys, I do have uh, uh, two sponsors I'm going to talk about later in the show as we progress through this interview and conversation with Casey. The first sponsor is NARPM, National Association of Residential Property Managers, awesome organization. The second one is the PM Growth Summit. This is the conference that I co-run, uh, I guess co-organize, um, co-found, if you say. And we have some exciting news to share um, on the next event. So those two sponsors. Let's dive right in. I really want to hook this correctly because right now, Casey, believe it or not, there's a bunch of people sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for me to ask this question. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when do I hire a BDM? When? When do I hire a business development manager? When, Casey? Uh, look. It's something that we always get asked as well in Australia, so I certainly am familiar with this question. I think it comes down to your individual business and certainly where you want to take your business. For myself personally, I did it when I actually reached around 50 or 60 properties and then because I was the business owner myself performing the role of the property manager. I then stepped into that business development role, so I was certainly able to do that a lot quicker financially of course being the business owner I didn't then have to spend uh, a, a separate wage so to speak and or additional incentives 
Uh, but by doing it at that stage, I was allowed, I was able, sorry, to excel my business uh, from between 50 to 60 uh, under management um, to a net growth the next year of 127, which took me up to approximately 213. That's fantastic. So, uh, can I get a clarification? Um, so when you stepped into the BDM role yourself, did you actually hire somebody for the property management position or you just added more work for yourself? No, I actually hired someone for the property management position. Yeah, so initially, of course, they you know weren't full time. Fifty or sixty properties aren't going to allow for that. But because we had quite rapid growth within that first three months, by me being able to be dedicated, and I think that's the most important thing, is a part of that BDM role is that you have to be consistent in those sales techniques and tasks um, and activities that you need to do. And I just wasn't able to do that whilst I was managing a portfolio. So once I employed the property manager and was able to get uh, stuck right in, we definitely saw that uh, great growth in the second. That was only the second year of business. So 120 net new managements in one year, right? That's that's what I'm. That's yeah. 127 I got in that one year. Yeah. Very cool. So, uh, question: At that time, you were not a, you know, a part of BDM Academy. You didn't know what, you know, what you didn't know. I, th- I suppose you knew something. How did you figure out what to do? Was it all intuitive, or you just kind of read books? What'd you do? Uh, I think it was just a combination of all the years' experience within the industry. But to be quite honest, I looked at exactly what you do I as a real estate sales agent, and and duplicated that into the role. The main um, activity, of course, is prospecting, and it's you've got to be comfortable to pick the phone up and make those, un, you know, inconvenient or un, un, <laughs> those, those uncomfortable. Calls. Is that the word you're going for? Yeah, uncomfortable um, calls, you know, um, and speaking to people you've never spoken to before. You know, getting out um, and having your own, I suppose, personal branding, not just a part of the company and going out and meeting new people, attending networking events, and really getting out of your comfort zone. And, you know, it's certainly what's expected as a role, as the person who's conducting the role as a BDM. So, look, I think it kind of comes natural for me. I'm not a shy person. Um, so I felt comfortable to get out there and, and perform those duties, whereas I know some other people don't. So that's certainly a, definitely an attribute you do need to consider when hiring a BDM as well. Gotcha. So the progression um, for our listeners, the case he took is, you know, being a property manager, hiring somebody into that position, walking into the BDM role, looking at, uh, hey, what's comparable? Real estate sales looks pretty good. Why don't I just figure out what these guys do, apply to the industry here? And she was immensely successful doing that. I did want to dig in a little bit deeper before we go to the next little bit of a uh, sure. uh, sort of a shift to topic. Um you said prospecting. You, yeah, I'd be, I'd be uncomfortable. I understand that. There's some real cool systems and methods for prospecting without the a lot of uncomfort. But but what is, or discomfort? What is your sort of methodology for prospecting? Can you give us any tips? Um, in regards to specific tasks, Alex. Just, just prospect. Yeah, picking up the phone. Who do you call? When you call? What do you ask? Do you mm-hmm. even pick up the phone? Do you do you walk? Do you just walk in? <laughs> Um, Yeah, look, I actually found that a combination worked for me and, um, you know, I would pick up the phone. So I actually would spend the time of doing um, what we used to call an hour of power and our call connection. So I would sit with the sales team and we would actually do that after hours uh, one day a week where all the sales team would stay back and including myself and we would just get in and call the database of people that we had, which... For me, I would be ringing people who attended the for sale open home inspections uh, from the salespeople's list. I'd be calling people who attended uh, my open homes from rental perspective in regards to do you uh, and or your family members have any rental properties? Mm-hmm. So it was those types of conversations. It was probing questions. I'm here to help you. If you're looking to buy an investment property, please feel welcome to call me if you would like a rental appraisal, if there's any questions that you would like to know about investing and what actually happens throughout the process of finding a suitable tenant, etc. So I wanted to be there as the information provider for them, not just the person who was doing the sales pitch of you should come to us and have your property managed by our agency. Gotcha. Uh, one tip I can share is um, I found this while, um, yeah, do I do have a long sales, sales career while I was doing mortgages. Um, 
this is like way back, way back when uh, you call it spring chicken. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, calling people and asking them to refinance the house is, is, is sort of a big ask. And, you know, they don't trust you at all. And why would they? Um, but if you calling them and inviting them to a workshop, right, that talks about all the current rates and why um, the 30-year fix is different than 15-year fixed, where the rates are heading, and how to sort of manage their um, their mortgage payments to to you know um, to create wealth and all those things. It, you know, people sort of respond to that very very differently. There's usually send me some information. It's like, hey, what is your email address? You take their email address down. And now you have it in your database, so that's a lot better, um, a lot more comfortable phone call because you're, as you say, you're, you're being helpful, right? You're not, you're not being intrusive. You're being intrusive, but but with, with you offering something for nothing, you know, help, and that that's good. So I recommend a lot of my property management folks I speak with um, have regular seminars, webinars, whatever you have, um, maybe even quarterly, and just just basically you do prospecting to fill the butts right in yeah. those seats and then you actually deliver really good content at those seminars and the closing ratio is fantastic yeah absolutely um am i able to share alex something that i did do that was a little bit outside of the box that were that worked really well for me yeah yeah that'd be awesome outside the box is the best <laughs> yeah so i wanted to develop a little bit more of a relationship with my trades people so you know my electrician uh, sorry just a translation here for the us us people yes. trades people meaning vendors right vendors that service your your company right yes okay. so yeah. um like the contractors like your electrician and plumbers oh. mm -hmm. those types of people yeah so i was very fortunate as to where my office was located around beautifully across the road from the beach and i had a fantastic park so i thought how can i take advantage of this to draw people to my agency and uh I thought I would start with the, the contractors or the vendors and what we would do is a quarterly barbecue. I would supply the beers and the sausages and they would come along and I would just network with them. They would bring along other people. They were they were allowed to. I would encourage that. And I would do a, just a five-minute brief on what my business was about. And suddenly that we were there to help them, knowing that they had investment properties. And if they did, why were we not managing them for them? Um, so I was able to obtain new business directly from those people who worked in conjunction with us. And then alongside of that, their friends and family. Mm, sweet. So referral networks, so, you know, strong referral network, you know, the foundation of building that. That, that is really awesome. I, I like this tip. Uh, you know, another story, uh, I just think this just bubble up in my in my mind. This this. Uh, so my dad owns a deli. It's like a little delicatessen, whatever. Uh, he, he, he sells European, you know, kielbasa and, and cheeses and whatever. And right next to him was this real estate guy. He had a real estate office. And every year, and I used to help my dad at the store. Every year, he'll bring like four big buses, like luxury buses. And I'm like, "What are you? What's going on, Dave?" And he goes, "Well, I'm taking all my past clients, um, you know, and we're going to the rodeo. I think it was a rodeo, and then there was another show and dinner. So he's taking like 400, 500 people, okay, to this event every year, and everybody comes because he pays for everything, right? And I'm like." Dave, you gotta be kidding me, man. This is probably like, you know, $50,000 for you. He's like, yeah, you know, for about 25. Um, and it's it's like, I, that's the only marketing I do. <laughs> that's the only marketing he does, uh, he did, and it worked for him really well. So that's, uh, outside the box is a, is a great um, tidbit um, for us to think creatively, yeah. Good, so let's, let's, let's circle right back into uh, more appropriate um, sort of uh, specific BDM dis uh, discussion and, and let's let's talk about the role. I think you have a lot of information and knowledge on what the BDM's role should be because the next thing is now we convince people they need a BDM. There's valid strategies and reasons to have them starting at 50 properties and above. Now, what is their role? How, how would that be organized, Casey? Yeah, um, I think uh, what the BDM and the business owner needs to consider as well when just prior to hiring, if I can just digress slightly, is that we need to really understand the direction of the business and make sure that we really know what type of property we're already managing, what kind of income that um, is generating for the business and, and the revenue, you know, what does it cost to manage that one, those properties? And then we can work out those 
kinds of properties we would want to take on and the different types of incentives and KPIs and goals that we need to set in place. Because I think from the outset, we need to be very clear as to what the expectations are going to be for the BDM. So if we're looking at what the role is, it's someone who has to be obviously very organised, great time management skills, you know, can prioritise and delegate. So if they've got those characteristics, you know, and then add the fantastic sales pitch who love to get out there and networking and do some networking, then you've got the combination of a great BDM. But in saying that, if they don't have a direction, uh, and I mean an expectation from you as the business owner as this is what I expect from you, this is the kind of goals and targets that we're aiming for, this is the kind of growth phase, how long it's going to take us to get there, then really what are they working towards? So I think that's something that you definitely need to consider and sit down and, and understand before you do hire the BDM. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's specific skill sets, but you, what you're saying is, you know, no matter what sort of skill set this person has, and even if they're like super, like crazy self-starter, without expectations and proper sort of metrics and, 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 and management and expectations, this isn't, uh, isn't going to work. Absolutely. I, like, I, I tried this before. It didn't work for me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think that's when, um, unfortunately, excuses can come into the role because, oh, well, yeah, I gave that a go, but it didn't work. Okay. Well, did we give it a go once or did we give it a go five times or, or 10 times? Uh, so if we've got some goals in place and I think then that's looking at the skill set of that BDM, uh, are they a self-starter like you suggested or is it someone that may need so a little bit of a push every now and again? Is it someone that needs the pat on, a back, on the back, uh, you know, thanking them for their appreciation uh, all of the time? So looking at your individual person that you're hiring is then you can base your goals and, and targets around that as well. Interesting. So you fit the goals and target to the personality that you're bringing on rather than actually the other way around. Interesting. Rather than have everything sort of in place and then you kind of pick the right person. I'm, I'm going to dig in. Let's let's put a pin in this one. I actually want to explore that a little bit, but I still want to talk about the role. So let's say, you know, I found a good person. So mm -hmm. she's awesome. She's an outgoing person. Right, right traits, as you mentioned, you know, a networker, type A, whatever. What's sort of what, what, how do we set up this, this sort of, how do we tell them what to do? How do we set up a job description? You know, what, what is sort of, can, can you just give us a framework a little bit? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so initially what I would do is, you know, sit down and I suppose assess that skill set that they've already got. And that's what I mean by looking at those goals and targets. I think it's about being smart with those because if you set the goals and targets too high and they're unrealistic, for that particular person and of course your business and its location, you're not going to reach them. Therefore, then the, it's going to be disheartening for the BDM as well. And all, all it's going to be is that conversation of we didn't get to target, we didn't get to target. So I think it's then going through each individual activity and looking at, okay, what are all the different prospecting uh, methods that we can be doing? We've got calling, we've got newsletters, we've got workshops. Um, so it's honing down on those and saying what's going to be our priority for the first three months, what's going to be our priority then, you know, six months after that, um, and even taking it back further and saying what are we going to focus on in our first 30 days? Is it, you know, contacting our current database that we've got sitting right in front of us of existing owners and tenants and giving them a call and, you know, making sure that the service we're delivering to them is second to none? because we don't want to grow the business and it go back out the you know back door at the same time. So that would be specifically a task that I would get the BDM to do initially is to call all of the current clients and make sure that the business is working and that they're very, very happy with what the property management team is certainly doing and then start that growth phase of do you have other properties? Do your friends and family have other properties? How can we assist them, etc.? So I think... If you really, really break down all the individual tasks, um, you know, that a BDM would do, and, and that's just one, just making telephone calls is certainly just one task, but you can break it down as to the different types of calls we can be making. We can be doing cold calls, current calls, you know, calls to your professional services, so accountants, those types of people, and making sure you're building that referral network as well. Gotcha. So this is... um. 
this is really good tip. Um, I want to come back. I want to mention, talk about, um, uh, take a few minutes and talk about Narpum a little bit. But mm-hmm. I want to go back after we after we do a quick sponsor um, uh, piece. I want to go back and actually ask you to list out some of the activities that you mentioned. And I think it will be really helpful for people to scope that out. But I really mm-hmm. like your tip about calling the current clients. What an ideal way to get introduction into the business itself. You know, again, have another touch with the client. Show them that you care. What a win-win. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. In fact, what I do with my new salespeople, they uh, attend uh, uh, they actually do work buys in customer offices. So, uh, like Anna just sent uh, and spent a whole day with Joe, Joe and Sheila Stokely. That's our, our our customer here locally. They have an mm-hmm. awesome business, really fast growing. He was actually my previous podcast interview, and so he um, she just spent a whole day just just shadowing them. Right? I mean, how much you know you're going to learn about property management from books a fair bit. How much you're going to learn about you know also while while you when you read a book you actually implement and 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 look at the business. So this is fantastic advice. Calling them, I would say even taking them out for lunch if they're local. Yeah, absolutely. I think right. more communication you can have with your existing clients to make sure that the service that's being offered and and the way their property is being managed is second to none. Because at the end of the day, they're your spokesperson out there. They're going to tell their friends and family at those barbecues and luncheons, you know, Christmas dinners that, hey, you know, if you've got a property, you should get Casey to look after it because she's fantastic and this is what she does for us. So they're, they're your spokesperson out there without you even knowing. Absolutely. So that that is really good tip. Um, so we get into this. Now let's talk about my first sponsor, which is NARPM. Uh, and I mentioned already it's a... Uh, NARPM.org, uh, National Association of Residential Property Managers. Specifically, I want to talk about their designation courses, which is RMP, um, Residential Management Professional. And then if you sort of pass the RMP and have uh, been in business for a while and pass some other criteria, you can apply and uh, study for and hopefully graduate for MPM, Master Property Manager. Now, the Master Property Manager is, you know, every single one you meet and you go on the NARPM website and actually look at the list, every one of these guys and gals are incredibly successful business owners. Uh, not a single one of them um, is sort of, you know, okay. I mean, they're all sort of forward-looking and amazing individuals. So you should be one of them. And you know this is one of the most effective ways to move your company forward. You have this incredible resource. By the way, classes can be taken online. They can be taken um, at local chapters. They can be taken in uh, regional conferences. I'm sorry, state conferences, national conference, and so on. So what do you get out of it? Well, you get coached, right? You get coached. You get you, you talk to people. You get. T- coached by people who've done this before and and so you don't have to make the same mistakes you discover new revenue streams that you know other there's people making all kinds of different interesting uh, services to their customers and getting paid for it and you should too um, you build a great support network and more importantly I think you discover deep friendships deep friendships that last for a long time and a lot of NARPA members vi- visit each other offices and they do the work buys and they share information and there's nothing better I think than for you to invest in either one of these designations So just if you're not a NARPA member check them out narpum.org so love this organization that's good um, now I promise that we're gonna go through some of the activities um, mm-hmm. that you recommend now that we are back to your present self which is you know uber knowledgeable on the subject um, and what would you sort of, what, what would be the activities and how would you rank them um, for starting BDM? Uh, well, I think first priority definitely is to develop that relationship with the existing clients, number one. And Got we it. certainly have to do that. And that's with also your uh, tenants. So not the owner of the property, but also the person renting the home. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too sure, obviously, exactly what it's like in the US, but we do find, and to be quite honest, I certainly was one of those. Uh, I was a renter myself, but I had investment properties. Interesting. So, yeah, so we do find that quite a lot in Australia. So we do spend the time to also connect with the people who are renting the home as well. Mm, very good yeah. point. Very good point. I think we should take note of that because I think I did that myself. Uh, I rented out a house. Uh, that I owned and I rented another place because I had to move on the other side of the bay. But whatever, yeah, that's that's definitely clever. I I haven't I haven't really 
heard of a lot of uh, property managers here treat tenants as an opportunity, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, for new business. That's, that's great. That opens my eyes a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, um, spending the time with the sales team, of course. So I used to spend a lot of time attending their sales meetings to understand what their listings were because you have a uh, prime opportunity that should that um, owner of that property decide not to sell or there's no particular person in the market who's looking to buy that home, then you should be that next point of contact for them to say, well, hey, let's lease the home out um, for 12 months until the sales market improves. So, uh, so- I have to, sorry, I have to sort of translate too because a, a lot of our property management entrepreneurs have sales mm-hmm. divisions, but a lot don't. They just do sure. management. I think in Australia, most people do both, right? Or, you know, at least at least most. Yeah, there is a good combination, actually, Alex. So there is some that do both, and there's still those property management-only agencies. So if there are the companies that are doing that, I would form a connection with some local sales team Perfect. members. So just because they have an, an on-site you know, property management team with them, doesn't mean that those property managers are being proactive and forming the relationships with the sales team. So why not that be you? And you start to form that relationship and say every time you've got your client, whether that's an investor client or potentially you're not able to sell that home, um, please don't, you know, give me a call. I'd love to be that first point of contact for your client. So send the BDM to your referring friendly local sales office on their monthly or weekly meetings and I will help them out and they will also be you'll also have a presence there it may, it, great tip awesome mm-hmm. tip I think just as good as the first one all right yeah <laughs> absolutely so obviously then what comes with that is of course you've you're building a, you're a database of people so you've got you know past owners as well so people that you've lost that decided to potentially have sell their home um, but that just because they've decided to sell that particular one doesn't mean that they don't own another. Um, you, or they may have sold that and now moved on and have bought another investment property. So just because at one stage um, of whatever the choices have been in their life has mean that they've had to sell or, or, or move back into their property doesn't mean that something has now changed again in order for them to have another home or an investment property. So do, I don't think we should close the book on those and just leave them and go, oh, well, that's okay, we've done business with them, that's fine, they're in an archive database now. We need to constantly be keeping in touch with those people as well because for whatever reason they were happy with what you were doing. It's just a circumstance that changed as to why they needed to move in or to sell. But you, they may have friends or family as well that have property. So I think it's a, um, the main role of a BDM is to form a database and constantly and consistently be in contact with them. Gotcha. So the third one is past owners as, a, as, a, as sort of a great opportunity to reconnect. Again, just say hello and try to be helpful and, and see if there's anything, uh, you know, uh, if they have anything in the rental department that you might, you know, that you, they might need help with. Okay, good. Um, the next more? one that I... Yeah, definitely. And the next one that I found that worked really well for me, um, look, you know, it required a little bit of walking around on a Saturday morning, um, but, you know, it was great branding as well. But that was the time that I used to put my just leased flyers around the neighborhood. So the reason that I specifically walked them was Saturday, generally, all of the families are out and about, the kids are in the front yards, you know, the mums and dads are doing the gardening and all those types of things. Certainly a lot more activity than during business hours. And what we would do is if we leased a home specifically uh, in a certain street, I would letterbox drop personally that entire street of a flyer, just photo of the front of the house, a bit of a description and what we achieved and how long it took us to achieve that. And I would place it in the letterboxes. And out of that, by walking them, I was able then to connect with those neighbours who would say, oh, yeah, I saw that you leased that house down the road. What did it go for, Casey? And, you know, you would share, obviously, that information. Oh, great, yeah, we were thinking maybe we would sell or maybe we'll rent. You know, I wasn't too sure. We're kind of up in the air. Oh, great, well, while I'm here, is there an opportunity? I'll have a quick look. I might be able to do a, a, you know, a brief appraisal for you. Nice. And let you know kind of where your home would sit in the current rental market so that it's a bit of food for thought for you. So it just allowed me to get into more doors and and it created more opportunities. 
That's awesome hustle. I love this. This sort of a you know pound the pavement we call it over here, right? Pound the pavement and 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 you know talk to people. That that is excellent, excellent. So you recommend a BDM sort of um, commit to that. And especially, I, I would imagine, Casey, you would do it only in the neighborhoods you really want to manage homes, right? You know, be be, be you know targeting the specific you know nice high end properties or whatever. Well, maybe it's not the high end. Maybe it's the low end you want because you want the older maintenance. But in any case, um, that sounds interesting. Um, all these, the top four, I'm, I've, I'm telling you, I think maybe if 10% of the people do that, I'd be very surprised. All of these are sort of unique, really cool. What do you got in five? What have I got for number five? Um, so I, I think the next one would be to develop the relationships with the professional service uh, industry, or that's certainly what we call it here. So I'm talking about your accountants, your financial planners, um, who else have we got, um, like tax depreciation companies, those types of services, you know, landlord insurance, the, those additional services and that can provide value to your client as well. So it's when you're talking about, you know, in the mortgage industry, you, you're calling and saying, we've got a workshop because let's talk about maybe how the, the percentage rates have changed and how we can assist you in reducing your mortgage repayments. So why not develop relationships with those types of people and then conduct things like with um, workshops and investment seminar nights where you invite your existing clients and or clients within the public um, that you haven't got on your database and saying we're holding a free seminar and we're going to have these specific people we're going to have the local bank manager we're going to have an accountant and each of them just talk for 10 or 15 minutes but share some really valuable information because I, I think sometimes what we can get hung up on is that we talk about as a BDM oh, you should just have your property managed by our agency. But sometimes we don't give them the content or information that they're actually seeking. So we need to make sure that that's what we are. We're an information provider. And I think by having those referral relationships with those clients, then in return, you're sending clients to them and they're sending clients to you. Fantastic. So this is a great, great bit five. I think you got to keep the rest for the PM Growth Summit keynote you're gonna do, right? Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, we're gonna talk about it right after the show, but let me, actually, this is a good point. I, I, I usually space between sponsors, but I'm gonna do a quick quick PM Grow uh, um, uh, information, in, infomercial real quick. So, you know, last year, um, the summit really sent shockwaves through the industry, and, and uh, this year, we're looking to really take it to the next level. I mean, frankly, we were stunned and uh, by the passionate feedback we got after last year's summit. And the term shockwave wasn't something that we invented. It actually, one of uh, it was it was part of the feedback that we got. And you know, the reason PM Grow Summit is different from any other conference in the U.S. is that we cater to sort of intermediate and advanced professionals that crave actionable content on growing their business. You know, uh, Andrew Morris from Realty Trust Services uh, said this. He said, it felt like TED, no, it says, it felt like a TED conference for the property management industry. It was a fantastic opportunity. Um, and some of the people, like, uh, um, um, I, I got phone calls. I said, oh, Alex, I, I want to talk about PM Growth Summit, but I'm, maybe I'm too small for this. Sounds like you have a lot of big, big fish out there. Well, actually, I have the data in front of me. We did a snapshot. Um, and surveyed all 164 attendees last year. And let me just share the number of properties they manage, number of doors they manage, and the percentage of the, as, as a whole group. So we have 10% of, of the attendees managed zero to 100 properties, okay? 7.4% um, managed uh, 100 to 250. Uh, the vast majority, 38%, managed 250 properties, to 500 properties. And then we had a lot of people over 1,000. And a few, actually 25%, um, with 500 to 1,000 properties under management. So we have all sorts of uh, uh, sizes uh, of, of property management companies represented. You know, and what unites them all is the sort of drive for growth, right? This is they're looking for ways to get energized and to learn what to do um, to move their company forward. So um, hopefully Casey will come out and speak to us as well and we'll reveal a lot more due to talk. 
And the PM Growth Summit, just one last bit, is January 31st, February 1st, and February 2nd in San Diego. It's in a beautiful U.S. Grand Hotel in the Gaslight District. Uh, have you been to U.S., Casey? No, actually, I haven't. Dude, San Diego is, is as good a place as any to get started. So anyway, looking forward um, to that. All right, let's 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 shift gears. So we had five sort of activities that you recommend the BDM can start with, um, and, and that's good. Um, but how do you measure and the, the track the success? Like it's not always contracts because they're going to do all that work we call it in sales building a pipeline, right? They're going to do all that work building a pipeline and they're not all going to start coming in, right? The agreements are not going to all start coming in all of a sudden. It's going to be some time. So how do you manage activities or you know, what are the KPIs? Yeah, so certainly as a part of the coaching that I'm doing now is we look at you know, breaking it down and we set this specific target certainly and let's say their target is to make 10 um, what we call call connects a day so if their target is to physically actually speak to 10 people that means we may need to actually have conducted somewhere between 20 to 30 telephone calls in knowing that we're you know going to be leaving messages for those others so we look at those ratios and we keep them on track um, by with the coaching of let's talk about how many call connects you have achieved. Out of those call connects, how many people did we add new to our database so that we're always increasing the level of new opportunities moving forward. And then we look at out of those, what opportunities did we get to conduct a listing appointment and an appraisal. So we do um, look at the appraisals because sometimes they are you know, they're not face-to-face because the client may certainly be uh, interstate or, or, or not present in the same area. So sometimes you have to do those appraisals, you know, online and, and without seeing the home. And sometimes, of course, you get the opportunity to actually go in. So we do like to KPI both because obviously you need to conduct the same task. So we then look at, so what we're trying to do is ratio it out as to how effective the calls are and the activities that they're doing and the appraisals that they're actually achieving. And then we look at if how many appraisals they've conducted or, or listing presentations versus the actual connections that they've made and they've got those management agreements signed. So we, we target all of those specific areas. So we put targets on those and then we break them down and say, what were your actuals throughout the month? And we work through those areas. If we think that the appraisals are low, we talk about well, why were they low? What, where was your time taken up? Why weren't you able to achieve these appraisals? Why didn't we get to those call connections? So let's talk through what you would, what activities you did throughout the month that prevented you from being in front of people. Gotcha. So it's activity-based tracking. So because you know the contracts are not coming in, it doesn't mean it's unsuccessful. It means that um, you know we're still in a building stage. Now you don't want to miss. Uh, someone who's never going to work out for you and they're actually not doing anything or they're not doing a good job and you're, and you're still thinking that, the, oh, it's just growing pipeline in six months, I'm going to have I'm gonna have the reward, you know, they're going to start actually booking business. But, you know, that never happened, uh, will never happen unless you track specific activities, right? So, I, you know, let's take, I like, I like the specific examples. If you know me, I like, I have a calculator, like literally like a real calculator right on my desk because I like numbers. Um, I like to convert things into numbers to be able to sort of evaluate them. But I don't want to do numbers just yet. Right? But owner tenant. So the first sort of activity you said, and I love that, it says, hey, you know, make uh, um, so many owner and tenant phone calls. In fact, talk to all of them throughout, let's say, eight, 12 months, right? You mentioned. Um, so would you break that up into a monthly goal and sort of then track that? Is that is that sort of how you propose doing this? Absolutely. So depending on the size of the agency, um, you would look at around five a week. So that would be five calls to current owners and five calls to current renters. And so that would be 10 calls just for that activity. Um, of course, you may not achieve or get those connections there, um, but then they just you know continue to add on. So the aim is to ensure that every 12 months, You've made, I suppose, what we like to call a fluff call, a happy call, you know, how, how are you call, um, not just to specifically, you know, talk to them about the negatives of owning an investment property and that would be maintenance or that your tenant's not paying rent and those types of things. So it's, it's meant to be the nice call and that would be KPI'd um, on approximately five per week 
but again, it depends on the size of the business already. I, I, I hear the recurring theme in this in this in our conversation. You keep saying database. So let's actually. So I'm gonna I'm gonna step in here and 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 mention this because I found that this is the opportunity a lot of my customers and the property managers as a whole miss out on. Um, everything comes down to building a database, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, um, and, and a lot of people don't. Like it's just not. There's not a good system in place for them to keep track. But like all this handshaking that you've done, pounding the pavement, is sort of minimized to almost nothing unless you continue to stay in touch with these people, right? Correct. Ah. so you know, and, and you know, we we partner with a company called Lead Simple. I highly recommend you take a look at that CRM system. There are others out there. You can use anything. Just use something. Okay. Database is so essential, and you have to automate that little, little touches and and make sure that your business stays in front of them. And that's how you win, right? That's how you build the database. So if, if you're a potential BDM listening, if your broker does not have a way to build a database um, or to provide you with a way to grow a database and continue to stay in touch with these people, then you probably won't be successful. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, if you, if you can't, um, and I suppose if we go back to that activity where I, I pounded the pavement and I was handing those flyers out, and they're the, the opportunities, people, you know, on a Saturday morning said, sure, Casey, just, you know, come on in, have a quick look. You know, it would be five minutes and I'd be in and out, but it was just to certainly get a good understanding of their home as quickly as I could. I would obviously then send them a follow up letter in the mail, you know, thank you for your time on Saturday and allowing me into your home you know their details were added to my database it was then every month they got a newsletter from my company ah, see that's the thing they're getting something from you right? then you know when we would do investment seminar nights they got invited you know and when they were, so they were always then constantly in some touch point were in contact with our agency gotcha and then we take and spin this to another side tracking activity if you don't have a CRM or, or your know, customer relationship management, customer relationship, if you don't have a system to track these things, how are you going to track activity, right? I mean, you know, to me, like I, that's so. So I've been, you know, w- working with CRM. So I'm, I'm, you know, professional. You know, my profession is sort of sales, right? I've been doing sales for forever, just like, you know, you maybe and a lot of other people here. But, you know, without CRM, you can't track anything. Um, or have you found methodologies to track things without actually investing in a software? Look, I don't think that you can because if you've got that new person entered into your CRM, you can clearly see how many touch points you've had. You would have your follow-up telephone calls on there. It would show you that you've posted a letter. It would show you that you've issued, emailed them a newsletter, all of those different things. So certainly then when you're looking at a monthly performance review of your BDM, you should be able to go into your CRM program and see all of those different activities that have been um, conducted for your database. How many new people have been entered? How many people have been asked to be removed? You know, it's just as important to understand that, to know what's potentially not working in regards to your marketing that you're doing and the touch points you're having. Casey, you're so. This is such a, like an important subject for me. Go to Lead Simple, guys. LeadSimple.com. Buy the software, and don't tell me like, "Oh, Alex, I'm just it's just me right now." You know, I don't need that. Uh, well, you do. You need to start building that database. You need to understand the the system. So when you bring a BDM into the fold, you know you'll already sort of be able to train them and coach them and understand how to manage their day to day processes, their activities, track. And, and make sure they're successful. So check out Lead Simple, or you know, go go invest in any other CRM um, if that doesn't work for you. But do it. I think that's a great advice. Um, and even if you're not ready to hire a BDM, it's a great way to get started and organize and start building a data- database. Um, I did want to mention one more thing. I had a, a really good interview with Andy Propst about buying and selling a property management business. And there was a lot of things we talked about how the business gets valued. And I think the one thing that I would be looking at as a savvy buyer of a property management business is a big quality database. Like that, nobody's really looking at this right now. And that is so vital. Like your customer, your subscribers list, we call it, is so essential that, um, I mean, that in itself is an annuity in val- in, in like little, literal dollar values you can put on it because the percentage of that people, those people will come and and ask you for business. Absolutely. And just because they've said no in that first conversation, 
it's not no forever. It's just, no, I'm not ready right now. Um, maybe the timing's not right. Maybe they are happy with their existing agency. But if you're the person who is consistently communicating, and that doesn't have to be over the phone, there's so many different methods, as, as we've discussed, newsletters and workshops and seminars. Um, but if you're the, the company or, or the person who's providing more information than their existing agency, that no will turn to a yes as long as you're being proactive. Perfect. Uh, perfect. So do you have any other KPI uh, advice uh, or should we shift into where to find good BDMs? Um, look, I think with the KPIs in general, and I know we're sort of speaking with the BDM, but I think it's also important that we're looking at the quality of property that the BDM is certainly trying to attract and the opportunities out there for that. Because what you're trying to do as a business owner is, of course, increase your revenue and the valuable the value of your asset that you're building. So what you don't want to do is bring on 10 properties that are worth $300 a week when you know, and at a fair, you know, a low low fee, for example, that in return aren't going to actually make your company any money. You need to ensure that the structure that you've got in place set around your targets are good quality property. This is what our benchmarking is on, on the type of per week value that we want to achieve. And this is a commission we're charging. And this is our bottom line. So I think it's really important to have those types of KPIs in as well. Mm. Very good. Very good. So can you tell us, and we're coming to the tail end of this, man, this 45 minutes went by so fast. I mean, we could talk about this for a long time. Uh, some tips. So two things. Let's finish off with two things, Casey. This is important stuff. Where to find good BDM? So give some advice there and then the common mistakes you see. So let's start with where to find. Where to find? Um, I think you need to have a look at your existing business and again depending on the size so if you've already got some staff members in place you actually may have a staff member right under your nose that may fit the characteristics of a great BDM they may not be performing you know well in a particular sales role as an example or they may uh, be struggling slightly you know within a property management position and that is because their skill set is because they want to be out there talking to people. They've got those sales characteristics. You know, I think a big thing is is if they've got the right attitude, then they're the right. You can you can't train an attitude, as they say, but you can train the skills. Um, you know, if if that attitude's right, then I think they're the right person. But firstly, I'd be looking right under your nose for people who are already in your business. Um, it's great to promote within, and it's and it shows you know I think good character for you as a business owner to be able to do that. Um, if you're outsourcing, I would be looking at people outside of the real estate industry. That worked very well for me. I did not employ any property management team members that had any property management experience, and I trained them along the way. What I looked for is their communication and their customer service skills. So I wanted to make sure that they could effectively communicate with my clients and that the service they were going to deliver was second to none. Um, so, you know, look at areas like hospitality. Uh, you know, you always come across those great waiters and waitresses who to just deliver you fantastic service. Um, you know, approach them if you see them in those restaurants and say, hey, have you ever thought about a career in real estate? Mm, very good. Mm. Very, yeah. very good. Um, I found uh, people, oddly enough, it worked out for us quite well. Um, folks who are bankers, who are not you know they're not they're not highly positioned. They're like your teller, your your personal banker. Uh, these folks are, are great. Um, sometimes you can see that you know there's not much to get excited about the bank. I mean it's pretty you know <laughs> rigid environment. Those people that are actually smiling and excited, like that's an outlier. You gotta put you gotta like pluck them and and, and put them to good use. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think if you come across someone like that in your past, whether you're networking, you're at an event. Or you do walk into your local bank and, and you see your teller and they're just constantly always vibrant and happy and smiling, certainly in an environment that doesn't really create, I suppose, that atmosphere for that, then they're the types of people I think you should be looking at because we can train how to complete a document, we can train how to do a flyer, you can train how to make a telephone call, but you just can't train that attitude. Oh, man, agree with you. So what what are the some, some common mis- – let's do two – the biggest common mistakes that you've seen people make with BDMs, with hiring and training, onboarding BDM. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, first biggest mistake is that they they employer business development manager before their business is in fact ready. So what they haven't done is they haven't analysed and assessed their existing business. And as soon as they put the BDM on, the growth starts to happen quite um, fast. And generally then the properties they're already, they're existingly managing are going out the back door. And that's because the service and the way that the properties are managed are not being managed very well. And then you find that, you know, there's a bit of angst between the BDM and the property management team because of that. So uh, my first piece of advice is just really make sure that you know and understand your business, that you know what your clients are saying about you and you've got the correct systems and processes, you've got that database in place and then look at putting the BDM on. So definitely that's the first mistake that they make. Um, the second mistake would be that there, there's the support and the drive and I suppose that not so much the coaching behind but I think it's looking at those targets, the monitoring, the keeping them accountable. So what I have found is that some business owners will employ a BDM and go, oh, well, you've got some experience, don't you? There you go. Get off the ground running. You, you know, you've expressed yourself started, so off you go. You know what to do. And then they're just left to their own devices. No one's checking in on them. No one's monitoring their performance. No one's keeping them accountable on their tasks. Then all of a sudden there's no growth coming in and the principal says, well, why? What have you been doing? So I think... You know, principals, you need to make sure, or business owners, you need to make sure that you're definitely keeping them accountable on their activities and you're sitting with them regularly and reviewing those KPIs and targets. Gotcha, Casey. Well, this was fantastic. And by the way, guys, you're still you're still on this um, and tune in. Um, send me an email with any specific questions you have because, um, again, Casey does this professionally. And by the way, Casey, how people if people want to hire you for this stuff, how do they go find you? Yeah, sure. So the website is bdmacademy.com.au. Um, you can connect through the website and um, either myself or um, Director Tara Bradbury will, will be in touch with you and we can talk through how we can certainly coach you through and what, and what packages we can offer you and your team. Gotcha. Very, very cool, Casey. And then, um, guys, if you have questions or specific sort of you listen to this interview and you're like, yeah, I don't understand this or help me understand that, send it to me because what we're going to do, we want to bring Casey uh, stateside and maybe I'll even ask her to teach two sessions. We'll see how this goes. Uh, <laughs> and then and then so we can address the specific questions you have. So please feel free to just email alex at fourandhalf.com. And, um yeah, all right. So it was a pleasure, Casey. Don't hang up. I want to talk to you about the PM Growth Summit. For everyone else, it's been a pleasure having you. Until next time. Yeah, thanks very much, Alex.